blessing as he comes. Praise the Lord. God is good, amen, and all the time. Thank you, Brother Howard. Let me live my childhood fantasy this morning, so thank you for that once again. Amen. Such a wonderful presence of God here this morning, or tonight, actually. I'm so used to doing the visitors in the morning, my bad. But it's so good to be here. Uh, what a tremendous message from God. Amen this morning, Brother Bishop. The password to say thanks and to get into his presence. Can we just do that right now? Can we just begin with thanking God? Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for what we feel in the house tonight, Lord. I pray that you move in this house, Lord. We love you. We thank you, God, for your many wonderful words, God, for your many wonderful works and blessings, God. You are wonderful, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is always a tremendous honor uh, to be here and to be able to speak to our church. Um, I do not take it lightly. I um, take it very serious. I've been praying, and I believe God has a word for us tonight. Um, I give honor to Pastor Sister Shostrand, Bishop, and Sister Joe Strand for, um, again, allowing me the opportunity. We're, we're very, very blessed with the best. Amen? Amen. Blessed with wonderful, wonderful leadership. Um, it's good to see Brother John Shees here. Thank you, thank you, God, for touching him, blessing him. I'm also required, I have to give a shout out to my brother Jared, who is apparently watching from Gettysburg. Him and Alyssa are on a Gettysburg trip. And I kind of joked around with him, said you should watch online. And he texted back and said him and some of my students and some of parents are watching. So that made me feel a whole bunch more nervous than I wanted to. <laughs> so, but shout out anyway. And it's also good to have my family here. It's good to have my mother-in-law, Carla, and her boyfriend, Rob, Ravi. Kelsey's here as well, and then my Aunt Becky. We're happy all of them could be here. Amen. Well, both Brother Matt Calhoun and Josiah Gasson, both of them told me I have to do more than just announce visitors. Um, so I guess I'll go ahead and move on into the word of the Lord. If you would turn with me to Joshua chapter 6, and we'll begin with verse number 1 and go all the way to number 5. And in my notes here, I have the New King James. So what I say might be just slightly different than what's on the screen there. But Joshua chapter 6, starting at verse number 1, says, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's promise. God's promise. Verse 3 says, You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. Verse number 4, And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass... When they make a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Praise God. In this passage, God gave Joshua a promise. He told him, you will take this city. 
And then after that, he gave some clear directions as to how that promise will be fulfilled. I believe that God is still in the business of making promises. More importantly, I believe God is still in the business of keeping those promises. Amen? So just for a little bit here, I want to speak to you tonight on this word. Possessing God's promise. Possess, possessing God's promise. Amen. Amen. I know that God has promised us many things. In fact, I think it was Father's Day last year, almost a year ago, pastor got us a little black book of the many promises of God and all the promises that God has given us in the word um, of the Lord. And God has promised us many things. And I'd like to just take a moment and remind us of some. This is certainly not an exhaustive list. God has promised us many wonderful things in the word of God. But I want to remind you that God has promised us salvation. He has promised us salvation to those who believe and obey his word. He's promised us forgiveness when we repent. He's promised us the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's promised us miracles, signs, and wonders will follow those who believe. I have come tonight to remind some people of God's promises on your life. Amen. And God has promised us, and he always fulfill his promises. Amen. Simon Peter opened up his second book, her second letter, with these words in verse chapter number 1, verse 1 through 4. Simon Peter a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with, all, with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. In verse number four, by which have been given us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given us a way of escape. He has given us precious, exceedingly great promises. I'm so thankful for the promises of God. Not only did he promise us salvation, not only did he promise us that, but he promises us that he would give us a good life. He says, I have good thoughts to you in Jeremiah chapter 19 verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. That's God's promise to you, an expected end. If you look that up in the Amplified, it says to give you a future and a hope. He has promised to answer us when we pray. He has promised that we should find him when we seek him. How many of you today are thankful for the promises of God? I'm thankful that he has good thoughts to us. Now let me make a quick disclaimer and let me be clear. This does not mean that living for God will always be easy. Amen. Any seasoned saint, any seasoned person who's been living for God for a, a little while will tell you that hard times do come. I'm sorry if someone has told you that that's not the case, but living for God is not always easy. Trials will come. Problems will arise. Struggle will ensue. 
But I want to remind somebody here tonight that in the midst of the storm, that he has promised you a future and a hope. This storm is not the finish of you. It is not the end of you. Whatever trial, whatever tribulation, whatever you're going through, he says, I have good thoughts to you. I have an expected end for you. That is what God has for us. Amen. And he is a good God. Let me just remind you a little bit more of how good God is and all the things that he has done in the Bible. He says that he created the whole universe just by speaking. He created the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars. He can change anything in your life by just speaking a word. By one single word, everything can be taken care of. He is the God that promised a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man that they should have a son. And guess what? They did have a son, and they did father many. He promised them that. He's the God that parted the Red Sea. He parted the Jordan River. He's the God that healed the blinded eyes, delivered the lepers. He raised the dead on more than one occasion. We read in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that God is not slack concerning his promises. When God makes a promise, he keeps his promise. Amen? Amen. We're talking about possessing our promise today. He's made promises for the church. He said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When we have our foundation on Jesus Christ our Lord, he says the gates of hell, that's a defensive measure. We're going to take it by storm is what it's saying there. It promised the church that miracles will follow, that signs will follow, that wonders will follow. That's what the Bible says about the church. The church, I've been reading this book and it's been talking about the day of the church is over. The church is not over. The church will never be over. God promised that the gates of hell will not prevail. The church will stand. The church will be there. And God finally has made promises to us as individuals. Sister Tracy, I'm going to go through several scriptures. You do not need to pull all these up. I'm just for those note takers, if you don't believe me, here are some scriptures here. He has promised to answer all our prayers. In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12. Maybe we don't like the answer, but he's promised he's always going to answer them. He's promised us comfort in the midst of our trouble in Psalms 46 and verse 1. In Psalms 37, or excuse me, 34 and 17, in Revelation 21, 4, he's promised us deliverance from depression. Anybody who's down today, anybody that feels the anxiety and the stress and the cares of this world and the depression, I want you to know that God has promised you deliverance from that. He's promised you deliverance from that. He's promised to supply your financial needs in Philippians 4.19. He's promised us our marriages. He said in the word that what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So I want to tell someone today that your marriage is meant to succeed. It's not meant to fail. That's what God promised us. Just reminding you of some of the promises of God. He says that they are yes and they are amen. That word amen there means let it be so. So he's saying my promises are yes and let it be so. He will never fail us. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I wonder if we could just worship God right now and thank you. Thank him for his promises. Lord, thank you for your promises, God. Lord, we want your promises, Lord. We believe in your promises, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So the only question then is what do we do to possess the promise. What do we do in this case? And I believe this story, this very familiar Sunday school biblical story of Jericho, the walls coming down Jericho, I believe this will illuminate some godly principles of how we can possess those promises. First, in this story, God promised his people a land. 
He said, I'm going to give you a land. At the time, they were in Egypt. They were in prison. They were in chains. They were in bondage. They were in suffering. And in the midst of that suffering, God said, I have a land for you. He said, I have a promise for you. If anyone feels like that right now, they feel like they're down, they feel like they're dark, they feel like they're in chains and they're, and they're in bondage, I want you to know that God has a promise for you. God has a promised land for you. Because of their disbelief and because of some of their murmurings and their complainings, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They had to wait an entire generation before they could possess that promise. But now was the time. Now they were right there. They have just crossed the Jordan. They're going into the promised land. And God speaks to Joshua and says, I'm going to give you Jericho. I'm giving Jericho into your hand. This would be just the first of many battles that God would provide for the Israelites. But now was the time. He said, now go possess your promise. But as God often does, he had a peculiar way of doing that. He had not my military strategy. He didn't really seek my advice here. I don't, I don't know if I would have did what he did. But the Bible tells us what the Lord said to Joshua, and that's good. But I, do you ever feel like the Bible just is missing like a little, like a little context? I, I just wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Joshua explained this process to the men of God, to the army. Don't you? Wouldn't that be just interesting? Just, okay, God, you spoke to Joshua. Now, Joshua, you're going to come deliver this to these men, these soldiers, the army. And I would love to have been there and seen how that went over. Uh, you know, in high school, I played uh, football. And anybody familiar with Licking Valley football, you know, legendary Coach Boffman. And in those, uh, I could tell you, in those meetings before games or at halftime, I mean, he was just so wise and how he would break apart the defense and break apart the opponents. And he would expose their weaknesses and say, this is how we're going to attack. And I feel like maybe, maybe the Israelites are more spiritual than me, but I feel like if I would have been a soldier there and I heard Joshua's plan, I would have been a little bit nervous. <laughs> Just personally. I don't know if I would have felt really secure about that. Uh, I imagine it went sort of like this. I'm, okay, Joshua, he, here's, the, here's the soldiers, and he says, okay, men, gather around, gather around, soldiers, listen up. Aiken, stop fooling around back there. Listen, come here, come here. All right, so now's the time. Now's the time. God's going to give us the promise. We're going to go into the land. I bet you they're excited. Yes, let's go. Let's pick up our weapons. Let's go. He said, all right, now, now calm down. Let me, let me explain to you God's method. I have heard from God. I know this is a, a strong city. I know it's been built up, and it's got a wall, and it's got double wall, and there's soldiers, and they're not letting anyone in or out. The security's really tight. It's, it's going to be tough. But have no fear. I have heard from the Lord. And God has told me how we're going to take this city. Okay, we're listening. What we're going to do is we're going to take the priests, you know, the ones who don't really fight and don't really have military training. We're going to take them, and we're going to put them right in the front. And then we're going to give them, and some cut up in the back, yells out, swords? No, not swords. We're going to give them musical instruments. We're going to give them some horns, and they're going to be in front of the army, okay? They're going to be the first line. Um, okay, I don't know where you're going with this, Joshua, but we're listening. And... Then what we're going to do is for six days, we're simply going to walk around the walls. We're just going to walk around the city. One time, six days in a row. Uh, Joshua, won't they see us? Yeah, they'll probably see us. Okay. And so that was the plan for six days. And then on the seventh day, he said, okay, this time we're going to walk seven times. 
Not just once, but we're going to do it seven times. Okay, still waiting for the part where we take the city. Um, and then after that, we're going to blow the horns and we're going to shout and the walls are just going to come down. Again, I, maybe the Israelites were a lot more spiritual than, than me, but I would have been a little bit nervous. I would have been like, uh, Joshua, how, how sure are you on a scale of like one to 10? How much did you hear from God on this? I mean, they got big weapons and we were kind of, I don't know about this, but they did it and they obeyed God, which brings us to the first point here, the first lesson, if you will, in order to receive God's promise. And that lesson is this. It requires unconditional surrender to God. Yeah. In order to receive God's promise, it requires a level of unconditional surrender to God. God, I don't understand how walking around this city is going to give me my promise. God, I don't understand how praying to you every day is going to make any difference in my work. I don't understand how coming to church on a Sunday, I don't know how that's going to make any difference in my relationships, how that's going to help my marriages. I, I don't get it. God, I don't understand how reading the word of God and following its precepts, I, how that's going to help me achieve your prom or my promise in your life, God. But I don't understand how living a life submitted to my pastor, honoring the, the lines that have been placed in my life, how is that going to help me? trying to defeat my fear and trying to defeat, defeat my depression. Lord, I just don't understand how doing this is going to work. But the only way, whether we understand it or not, the only way you're going to possess God's promise is by doing it God's way. I want to say that again. The only way you're going to possess God's promise is by doing it God's way. He requires an attitude of unconditional surrender. God, I don't understand it all. Some of this seems very foreign to me. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense why I would just walk around a city. But I'm going to surrender to your voice. I will obey your command. I will listen to the word of God. I, I know this can be difficult for us to understand. But th this is what his ways are higher than our ways. We don't always see the why. But we just have to follow. Amen. And that's the first step. is We have to have that unconditional surrender. If you want to possess the promise of God in your life, the first step is to surrender your will to God's. Not my will, God, but thine be done. This is why he says he delights in obedience more than sacrifice. He delights in obedience more than sacrifice. God, I surrender myself to your will. I want to be and I want to do what you want for me, God. This is why God says in Psalms chapter 37, verse 4, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Sometimes we get too carried away in trying to understand everything. But it's, he said it this morning. If you would get up every day and we would say, God, thank you, Jesus. God, I love you, Lord. Lord, I submit myself to you. I want to seek you every day. Guess what? He says, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. How do you get joy? Seek God. How do you find peace? You seek God. That is the answer. If you give everything to him, say, God, I seek you first. He will provide every need. Amen. We sing the song. I say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I say, yes, Lord, yes, I will trust you and obey. If we would have that spirit, if we would have that attitude of God, I will listen to you. I will obey your word, his method, his timing. God, I surrender to your will. Amen. There's that powerful story in the 
in that time when Jesus was in the garden and he was praying. And he very clearly didn't want to go to the cross. And he was praying and the, earth, the, the, the flesh side of God was praying to the spiritual side of God and he was asking for strength. And he said, God, if there's any way this could pass from me, please let that happen. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. One of, most, one of the most powerful prayers that we could pray is that God, not my will, but your will be done. Our problem, though, is a lot of times we surrender, but with conditions. A lot of times we say, God, I, I want what you want in my life, and I, I want your promise, but I, I really like to be my own boss. I really like to do things my way. I, I, don't, I don't know about submitting myself to someone in authority. I don't know how well I would do with that. God, I, I, I want what you want for me, God, but I'm not willing to do all the things that you've asked. And this it comes with a spirit and an attitude of complete and utter surrender. God, I give you everything. God, whatever you want. You tell me to jump, I'll say how high. Whatever you want for me, God, I surrender to your will. I surrender to your way. The Burger King Society of I'll Have It My Way will not yield the promises of God. Amen? It will not yield the promises of God. We're in a society that we are built on convenience. I want it now. I want it this way. Can you change everything about that? I want, I want it all my way. I want it to please me. And just like we expect to speak into a speaker in our car and turn for 30 seconds around to the other side of the building and we expect our food hot and ready for us to eat and we're mad if that's not the case. Just like that, we expect God's promises now. We expect what God wants now. There was a long time between Egypt and the promise. There was a 40-year gap. There was a long time between Egypt and in the promise. And so that brings me to my second principle that I think we can learn from this is that we have to wait on God. We have to wait on the Lord. The Israelites were not able to receive their promise right away. They had a 40-year period. They had to wait in the wilderness. Now, the, a lot of this was because of their own grumblings and their own complainings and and that's why God did that. In fact, I just, I, saw, I didn't read it, but I saw a title of an article that said that complaining now, they're saying, is connected to depression and, and, to, and to anxiety and fear. That the more you complain, the more depression you feel. And I, I believe there's something to that. that. That just makes sense to me on a base level. But that because of their complaint, they had to wait 40 years. But even then, even now, here we are in the moment, God's saying, Joshua, go take the land. But... He's saying, no, no, uh, we can't go sh just go ambush the city right now. We have to wait seven days. We have to do this, God, let's just let's relax. Let's do this God's way. He said, six days we're going to walk, and then the seventh day, that's when we're going to take the city. There will often be a delay between your Egypt and your promise. There will often be a wilderness that you have to navigate through. There will be a time where God's promised it to you, but you're, you're waiting. You're in a moment of waiting. They had to obey the command of God every day for six days. They had to walk. And then on the seventh time, they had to do it seven times. All without see, seeing a single sign that their promise was going to happen. Just to put, I mean, I know we take the story for granted because we've all heard it for so long. But to put it in perspective, imagine I'm walking around the city. They have armed troops all around. 
And I'm marching around the city. I have my own doubts. I'm not sure if this is going to work. I'm a little nervous. I mean, I'm trusting Joshua, but that's it. And all I'm, I'm just going to keep walking around the city, and I just don't know if that's going to happen. The ways, and, and, you know, we've done this now four days, Joshua. That, that wall is still there. I still can't see into the land. I still can't see that promise. The wall is still there. There's no cracks. I don't, I don't see any, uh, any pebbles falling from the, rock, from the wall. I don't see any rocks. Starting to, uh, okay, we've been doing this now five days, six days now, Joshua. At some point, is something that my feet are starting to hurt. At some point, are we going to see something? Is the wall going to start to crumble? I, I don't understand. And so in that time, what you have to do is Wait. You just have to wait on God, and that sometimes, actually all the time, can be one of the hardest things we can do. The hardest thing to say, God, I know you're doing something. I don't see it. I don't understand it. I don't know when it's happening, but I know you're doing something, and I'm just going to wait on you. I'm just going to wait on the promise. I'm going to trust that you are going to, in fact, do what you said you're going to do. Amen? We're going to wait on God. Psalms chapter 37, verses 7 through 9 says, Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Verse 8 says, Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. You know, when we try to act out on our own, it only causes harm. When we try to act out of God's plan because we're getting impatient, when we say, God, you know, we've waited on you kind of long enough. It's been five, six days. I don't see anything changing. Guys, let's just go take the city. That's when we get into trouble. And verse 9 says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. I know it seems like it's not happening, and I've been waiting. Could you imagine what would have happened if the Israelite army said, You know what? I've waited long enough, guys. Let's go. Let's grab our swords. Let's go take the city. They would have been massacred. They would have been slaughtered because they would have been taking matters into their own hands. The wall would have stayed up because they didn't obey God and they would have been slaughtered. But they listened. They waited on God. They waited on God and that's what we need to do. Let's not forget what happened with Abraham and Sarah when they decided that God's take, we've waited on God long enough. Let's just take this promise into our own hands. They end up creating another child and another nation, something that God never intended to happen. You can do things. You can, you can mess things up because we take things in our own. Just wait on God. Trust in God. And let's not forget, as they're walking, as they're marching around the city, I'm sure there were soldiers mocking them. I'm sure there were people, people on top of the wall saying, look at them. They think they're going to take this city. All they're doing is walking around. This is like day, they've been doing this for six days now. And all they're doing is walking around the wall. Okay, guys, this is going to be a real hard army. I, thought, I heard about this God of the Israelites. I thought this was going to be hard. And, and they were speaking that negativity, probably making fun of them. In fact, a great documentary I would highly recommend. There's a VeggieTales on this. <laughs> I'm very mature. And in that... The little peas, I think they were, were yelling at the other, at the Israelites. They were yelling and making fun of them, laughing at them. Okay, you're not going to tear down this wall just by walking around. That doesn't make any sense. I want to remind somebody tonight when the, who the enemy has been speaking to you. 
He's been speaking lies to you. He's been telling, getting into your head and telling you you're no good, just like they told that army, that you should just give up. I want you to know that is a lie from the devil. He's just trying to get you off course. That's all they were doing. They were just trying to get the Israelites to get scared and to stop doing what God had told them to do. God loves you. God's promise is coming to you. It is guaranteed. He will never fail. Amen? Amen. That is, we are going to wait on God. We're going to be patient with him. We're going to keep serving him. We're going to keep living for God. Keep coming to church. We're going to keep reading our Bible. Why are you doing all those things? I don't see anything happening from it because God has told me to. And so I'm going to wait on him. I'm going to keep fasting. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep worshiping God. I'm going to keep coming to church. Why are you doing all those things? It's not benefiting you anything because God's promised me. He's promised me. I, I, I don't see it now. I don't see it happening now, but I know he's promised me. The devil is a liar. The devil's going to try to get in your mind. And he's going to try to convince you that this isn't working, that you need to change course. You need to go take, do it on your own. But that's not true. That is a lie. I want to just say it's God's will for you to get your promise. It's God's will for you to receive your blessing. It's God's will for your marriage to be blessed. Don't you fret about those finances. God's promised you that he's going to keep you safe, that he's going to provide every need. It's God's will that your family will come back to God. He says, his word tells us that he wills that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. It's God's will that your promise will be actualized. Just wait on the Lord. Don't give up. Keep waiting on him. Keep serving him. He will provide. He will fulfill his promise. Oh, amen. In the middle of their mocking, even with their negative voices in their own heads, they kept marching. They kept walking. Hold on. Keep marching. When you don't know what else to do, just keep walking. Just keep walking. Oh, God told me to march around the city. Why are you doing that? I don't know, but I'm doing it. I don't know what's going to happen. I, yeah, I don't see the signs that it's doing me any good, but I'm going to keep doing it anyhow because God's promised me. My promise is just on the other side of that wall. I can't see it, but it's there. God is going to make a way. God is going to make a way. He's going to tear down that wall. So the first thing in order to receive our promise, first we have to completely surrender to God, his will, his way. The next thing is we have to be patient. We have to wait on God. We have to trust him. The next step in our promise. What's the next step? We read it in Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 20 says, so the people shouted. Everybody say shouted. shouted. God's fixing to do something powerful in here tonight. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Do you know what you need to do in order to receive your promise? You lift up your voice and you shout to God as if the promise has already been taken place. If you want to possess God's promise in your life, all you have to do is begin to worship him and shout unto God and watch as the walls that are separating you from your promise begin to tumble and begin to crack 
and begin to fall down. His promises are yes and amen. He is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He is the miracle worker. If you want to see the promises in your life, just raise your hand and begin to shout, God, I know you're able. God, I love you, Lord. Jesus. You want to know why the world mocks and hates it when we get out of the aisles and we worship God? Because the walls that have been erected to hide his blessings, that have been erected to, to scare us, to intimidate us, to keep us from our promise, they start to crumble. Their foundations begin to, to fall when we begin to worship God before it even takes place. A couple weeks ago, we, had our, we have a united youth service with Youth and Hyphen every, the last Wednesday of every month. Sorry, Sister Caitlin talked about it already and already apologized once, but I'm going to apologize again. Our, your youth may have been late home, and your Hyphen may have been late home, but that's because they were worshiping God well past the time we normally dismiss. Sister Sadie Butt spoke a powerful message. She gave some of her personal testimony. And when Sister Caitlin came up and she opened up the altar, the presence of God ushered into that place. We didn't have any music. The, the worship team was up there. The key, they had the keyboard run and everything. I said, stop. Let's not do the music. We didn't need the music. You know what we heard? We heard young people, teenagers, young adults, age 12 to 30 at least, praising God, lifting up, crying out, and worshiping him. Why are you doing that? Because God's getting ready to unleash a big promise on this church. He's getting to unleash his promises on this church. And the young people, the youth of this church, was crying out to, crying out to God, and the walls were coming down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Psalms chapter 47, verse 1 through 4 says, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. That means you have the victory. When you're shouting with a voice of triumph, you're not always saying, God, please help me. But you're saying, God, I know I already have the victory. So I'm going to go ahead and shout and praise you like it's already here. For the Lord Most High, verse 2, is awesome. We sang that today. He is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. Verse 3, he will subdue the peoples under us and the nations under our feet. Verse 4, he will choose our inheritance for us, the excellence of Jacob, whom he loves, Selah, God's promises. In order to receive God's promise, just worship him. Just begin to shout unto him. Say, God, I know you're able. God, you are great. God, you're wonderful. And his, his promises will come. As the musicians will come, I'm going to draw to a close. In fact, we can stand. Many of you, uh, especially youth, hyphen, I know we had some adults too, but we're at the North American Youth Congress in 2015. This was two congresses ago. We're getting ready to go again um, here in a couple months. We're excited for it. But we've talked about this experience. There is a moment in that congress that I'll never forget. It, in fact, you can Google it. You can find it on YouTube. Somebody recorded it and put it on YouTube. Um, it was a powerful moment in church. And Brother Lee Stone King stood up. And it was at the end of service, and it was right before all, or right as the halter call. And he explained that there's something significant about the human voice. And that when the human voice shouts, it shreds the air. It shreds the atmosphere. It disrupts the air. 
The enemy, the Bible tells us, is the prince of the air. He's the prince and the power of the air. And so when you shout, you want to know why walls come down? Because you're disrupting him. You're shredding him. Pastor preached it a few weeks ago, the power of shouting. And in that moment, we were in a basketball arena, about 20,000 people. And in that moment, he said, if you would shout, God is going to fulfill his promise to, your, to the people. And before he even finished that sentence, a roar erupted out of that congregation. So loud was this roar. In fact, if you Google it, you have to Google prayer roar in AYC 2015. And it lifted up so loud that the decibel reading was 134.2. Now that might not mean a lot to you, but I looked up what average decibel readings are. And 130, and we're at 132. At 130, it says is the peak level of an NFL football game. Stadiums that hold hundreds of thousands of people. Sixties of thousands of people. At least a basketball arena of 20,000 young people. Ages 12, 20, 30. We're able to shout to God so loud that it almost broke the record. The NFL record for the loudest a, a stadium's ever been. 142, I think it was. It was only 10 decibels lower than the loudest, craziest fans in a Super Bowl in 2016. That's the NFL record. When we shout, walls come down. When we shout, when we just get step out in the aisles and we say, God, I know I don't see the promise yet. I know it doesn't look like you're doing anything yet, God, but I know your promise. I believe your promise, and I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to worship him. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to shout his name, and he says the walls in your life that's separating you from your promise will begin to crumble and fall. Let's come. Let's worship God.